0: Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad, a selectbutton.net guide and podcast. Our team of brave explorers plays one game selected totally at random from the Super Nintendo library. Afterwards, we discuss it using the five standardized metrics for scoring a video game, gun, gun, vanity mystery poetry and harmony joining me today are courier Rice, goddamn milkman one second before
1: hi i'm sleepy smiles
0: i am talpa and i'm your host virtual clint Uh, this week we're playing prehistoric man that's prehistoric with a K. It's a platformer starring a caveman named Sam who has the incredible ability to turn any living living creature into bones using only his club. Um, so I only asked everybody to play an hour and I think maybe that was even asking too much but uh, let's start how far how far did you get did you all get into the game before you uh, called it quits?
2: I got as far as level 11 where they decided that, uh like, standard floors didn't matter and it was like 90% bottomless pits, so at that point I couldn't navigate the level anymore because it was also very uh, non-linear and it required me to find two different keys and I was not able to do that.
3: I remember there being a lot of fire and a pit and a... Seemingly impossible jump I had to hit. I gave up somewhere around there.
0: That sounds like most of my dreams, honestly.
4: I got to level 4, where it suddenly turns into an exploration thing, where you've got to like collect 3 uh, magic gems. And uh, I had to jump on a spider over a pit about 6 times, and if you touch the side of the spider, you get hurt and fall and die. And also the spider's going like 50 miles an hour, so that's where I stopped. I think that was a good call, because I, I freaking hated that level.
1: I got as far as level 5, uh, and then uh, my hour was up, and I just, got, I just didn't keep feel like playing because I was bored.
5: I think I got to uh, stage 7. Was that the one that ends in a boss fight? I think so. That sounds about right. Yeah, I finished that, and then I threw my controller and uh, quit the game. Never to return.
0: Yeah, I got all the way to level 10 before I Why are you I so bad said, video games? Seriously, we are bad compared to you. <laughs> like, you got all the way to level 11. I'm actually shocked, because 10 was my... I freaking hate this game, I, I want it to die. So, <laughs> um... But yeah, I guess I should probably say kind of what the game is. I mean, it's a platformer, right? But, you know, you're a little caveman with a club, and you gotta go and, and uh, get food, and get bones, and rescue people I mean it's just a bizarre thing and it does it does do that thing where it starts out linear like very linear and then it ends up being this vaguely exploratory game but with weird that that level where where uh, you quit on the spider um, I think that was one second Um, but that spider level you have to go through the level essentially three times backtracking each time to go somewhere slightly different I just ended up killing myself because I didn't want to backtrack. And the game very generously gives you, uh, I want to say, 16 continues, and each of those is three lives. So it's twenty. Bizarre. Is it 20? Good lord. I found
2: out uh, that there, the you can purchase saves in the shops that are rather out of the way, But it turns out that those are not battery saves, so it just gives you, like, another 20 continues if you lose them all. And it lets you go back to the specific stage that you bought it. So, it's... it's strange. But, yeah, I, uh, Topa is going to be the one that hates this game the most. I'm going to be the one that defends it too much. (laughs) Well,
0: that's fine, because I'm gonna hate on this game, too, so... (laughs)
1: I'm going to be right in the middle. My opinion on this game is completely neutral.
4: I fully intend to hate on it. So, for talking general impression,
3: I just feel like this is the most, like, if you if you say Super Nintendo game to me, just in general, this is what I envision. Some, like, platformer with a weird theme and kind of crappy but unique, I guess, combat? Like, this whole game just feels like the most stock-standard Super Nintendo game that
0: you have. I don't know. Well, and the history of the game is really funny because that stock sort of boringness of it belies a bizarre uh, path to the Super Nintendo because there's two this is the, the third game in a series which Courier pointed out before the podcast, and the first one was on the Amiga, the second one was on something else, I mean, and then this is the third game, so it actually had a long history of being a bizarre and vaguely terrible game, so...
2: (laughs) The second one was also on the Amiga, but it, uh, the first one was very... Uh, stilted it had a very low frame rate the second one also had a low frame rate f- for being on the Amiga they may have been early Amiga games the third one if you actually compare it to the other two is like a huge like like quality improvement in terms of spectacle and stuff It was like if you were a fan of the series for whatever reason then you would have been incredibly impressed by this
5: I could kind of tell that it was an Amiga game, because the only, like, somewhat passable thing, in my opinion, is, uh, the stage backgrounds, like, uh, the background art.
4: Yeah, that art was pretty good, but I agree with Milkman that I definitely got kind of a generic, uh, Super Nintendo-era platformer vibe from it. In fact, to me, it kind of felt like a unlicensed, licensed platformer. You know, like, it felt like a licensed platformer, but with some... Dumb invented character. I really like that, yeah. That's spot on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well let's let's since we're kind of moving into it anyway, let's talk about our first topic, which is gun. Uh which obviously cavemen didn't have guns, but you get the idea. Um so how how did gun feel in this game?
3: I gave it zero. I
0: just mashed that club
3: till it ever needed to die died, basically. So uh, I don't know, roll whirlwind negative gun. There, There is one
5: thing that can qualify, two things that can qualify as a gun. One thing that I reached, and I'm sure Curry Rice reached the other gun item.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of weird weapons you can pick up. Like, you can replace your, your club with an axe that you can throw, and then there's also oh god, there's a spear? And that's part of the level of this big burning forest or burnt down forest where you have to throw the spear at a tree jump on the spear and it acts as like a a bouncy platform but you only get two jumps at most before the thing disappears and there's one spot in that level where you have to throw a spear jump on it throw another spear like halfway up and land on that one and you have to do it about four times to get up to the top of the tree it's a nightmare it is absolutely a nightmare i hate gun in this game (laughs)
4: There was one gun that looked pretty fun. Uh, this was... I watched the YouTube playthrough after I quit. Yeah, the one where you throw a dinosaur and it latches onto an enemy and bites it with a fun sound effect. That's a good gun.
2: I completely forgot about the dinosaur. Uh, the spear thing I thought was very, uh, clever, but it, uh, was probably done better in the Game Boy game Nail and Scale, because I think maybe the... Nail and Scale is good, yeah. I imagine the platforms in that one last longer if this one it had lasted longer, it would have been cap it would have been capable of being brilliantly used, but it was a little stuck here. That level was very pretty though the burning forest where you get it all
1: all I got as far as all I could do was hit things with a club and scream really loudly and that you know as great as that is, it doesn't feel very gun to me. I guess the screaming can be pretty gun, but you need to you know be screaming while you wildly fire a gun.
0: I mean, you could interpret as having big biceps as having guns, so maybe in that case it's this is the most gun game."
5: I'm glad that uh, the protagonist of this game could stream so that I didn't have to stream as much) <laughs> <laughs>
4: I saw something fun with that scream on the YouTube video that I was watching of it. uh This guy used the scream in a performative way whenever he beat a boss as soon as the boss started self destructing he didn't hit the scream button, so that was fun <laughs> I did see that i suspected uh I watched
2: a long play that was like at times going for one hundred percent and at the times just giving up halfway through a level and beating it but the uh i if I watched that, and I watched a speedrun, and if I understand correctly, I think that in after the final boss, that the game actually does a performative screen.
4: Nice. Uh, I watched that same long play, and I have a lot of weird stuff to say about that once we get to poetry.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad somebody has some poetry from this game, because I got shit. <laughs> I got shit all it's, for that.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's external to the game, that's the only reason it worked. Oh
0: man, I bet it's going to be the
2: same thing I have to say. But actually, uh, if it's not, that's going to be interesting. So we'll see. I I don't think mine was actually uh, extracted from the long place, so it might actually be something different.
5: But yeah, are we still treating gun as a kind of uh, airsats talking about the mechanics and feel of the game, or or are we just doing that whenever?
0: I think that that yeah, it's a good sort of stand-in for mechanics. I might need to come up with a better name for it. I just love saying how was gun no I love but... gun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love, love gun.
2: Gun is arguably the most important category we have.
5: Yeah, so how do we feel about how all of the hitboxes are weird and wrong in the wrong shape? I hate it's it. That was my mystery for the game. <laughs>
2: It's very it's very lumpy it's very lumpy hitboxes
4: Yeah, um, I hate that this game like kind of plays like it wants to be a puzzle platformer where you're like able to ride enemies around and like you have to jump on them and and use them to get to places and in games like that You're not supposed to so easily be able to get killed by the things that you're trying to ride
0: yeah, because there's these swinging spiders and crawling spiders that you have you have to ride to get to certain points of the level, um, and yeah, if you miss that by just a little bit, you just you get hit by the spider and then you die, and it's it's fucking infuriating because it's 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 probably consistent but it feels inconsistent.
5: Oh, I would not say it's consistent. Like the physics of this game are all over the place. Like uh, sometimes you barely move at all and sometimes you like rocket 50 miles an hour across the screen and there's no actual pattern to uh like your physical reactions to uh pressing buttons on uh on the controller
2: actually uh something i do want to add to that is that regarding suddenly being fast that one of there are two forms of speeding up one of them is holding down the attack button, and one of them is holding up while moving in another direction and that if someone doesn't know that that could be a very confusing thing
0: for them and the The other thing is that if you you do get these limited ammunition weapons that you cannot get again, and so if you only know that running is by using your weapon, every time you want to run, you waste one of the 50 or 20 or whatever things that you have. So yeah, it's it's
5: bizarre. Sometimes two of the 50 or 20 or whatever you have, because sometimes you waste more than one uh, unit of ammo for an attack. I just want to say, I think we were way too hard on Soulblazer.
0: <laughs> Nobody's going to hear that podcast, but yeah, we, we were fairly critical of that game, and uh, boy, this has been a, a breath of, of dank, terrible air
6: compared to that.
2: Rest in peace, episode zero.
4: All right, Uh I have a gun thing to add. Um, I've got a few things that are uh, somewhat uh, gun-related. I think you could make the argument. Uh, one is the cop that keeps showing up in this game. Uh, who finds you for every time you ride a vehicle in the game. You get to the end of the level, and you see this cop, and he's like, uh, you're riding an illicit vehicle, I need to confiscate it, and also you need to pay me in crystals. And uh, uh, one thing I liked about that was in the hang gliding level, I did not have enough uh, diamonds to pay this guy, so the only way for me to get those diamonds was to continue hang gliding with my uh, illicit vehicle, Directly in front of him to go and gather more diamonds then bring them back and give them to him Which uh, in the real world you you try a stunt like that. uh, You're gonna get shot by a gun
0: Especially by a cop that's gonna bribe you to not get in trouble Yeah, that cops not 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 on the up-and-up can we talk about the hang glider by the way because That is, is like, such a terrible ripoff of the Super Mario World cape, and I don't know if it's a ripoff or if this was something in the previous games, but it it is truly bizarre, and it took me a full five minutes to figure out what the hell I was doing. There is a
2: lot in this game that I think wants to be Super Mario World, and I think that was the prime example. Ironically, this is the first time I figured out how to use the cape.
4: Me too. It ultimately is
3: easier to use than the cape, and I don't think it's because it's actually mechanically easier. I think it's because the level is so much more vertical that you don't really need to worry about diving as much. You can just kind of go down and up and down and up, and there's no resistance for it except landing on an island and just running off again.
0: Well, yeah, and that's the thing with with the the Hang Glider versus the Mario World Cape, is the Mario World Cape allows you to maintain a fairly steady horizontal level, where with the uh, Hang Glider, you have to dive to go higher. So what I ended up doing a lot was diving, hitting a platform, losing all of my momentum, and having to start all over again, which drove me just up the wall.
4: Oh. Yeah, so it may be, uh, it's weird, but I think in one respect uh, this did something better than Super Mario World, which is uh, the explanation for how to use the hang glider in this game was actually understandable, and like I was able to figure it out just from reading that, which I don't exactly remember how the cape gets introduced in Mario World, but I know for a fact that I had no clue how to use it after they introduced it. That's fair, yeah, because I I couldn't figure out how to use the hang glider. I
0: didn't feel like the explanation was great, but I did figure out how to use it, whereas I remember with Mario World, I had to have my dad teach me. (laughs) There's
5: also, like, four other vehicles in this game, and I have uh, no idea, like, how any of those control. I assume even worse. Yeah, I didn't
2: get much further than uh oh the spear the spear as a vehicle of sorts um but yeah there there's a there's a sort of really fast unicycle there's a crap what else was there
4: pogo stick
2: yes yes pogo stick That that was that looked fun and terrible because it was in one of those bottomless pit levels
4: yeah, I thought that the uh, unicycle actually looked kind of fun. It looked like a minecart level where you decide what direction you're going.
0: That's a good way to look at it, I think. Yeah, I, I think I... So there's a cheat code in this game, which uh, Courier uh, sent around, which is good, um, where you can skip levels and you can just pick any level you want. So I ended up um, I ended up at the pogo stick level for 25 seconds before I decided... Just, no. Just kill me. (laughs) I'm going to go to the last level, beat the game, and be done with it. I also used a pro-action replay invincibility code, because the last level is a holy nightmare. It's full of ghosts, right? Invincible ghosts? I, um...
2: I don't know if I would actually... No, it might be hard. Like, the thing is, I've beaten Adventure Island, and it also has some similarities to this game. And that, um is largely just
4: avoiding things. Did you know I'm good so at here's... video games? <laughs> here's a <laughs> here's a good gun is uh in in this game, in this Super Nintendo mid-90s type game for kids, uh you can get cursed at. Um, which if you Okay, so at the end of the level, you can bring all the shit that you collected in that level back to your village. Uh you collect like fruits and uh mcdonald's food uh and then you get to the end of the level you meet with your chief and all your food that you collected drops into this pot and you get scored for your level based on how much that food you got but if you collect a very small amount of food the chief says uh let me find my quote he says damned pathetic so, you know, I was surprised to see that. That's uh, the gun of language. He gives you a verbal gun. <laughs> the gun That's of language. <laughs> I, missed,
2: I missed that one. Um, I do want to point out, though, that it turns out that all of that food and stuff you collect uh, has no actual purpose other than points. It, it doesn't have any effect on the ending.
0: Oh yeah, that's something I wanted to bring up because this game opens with a lot of shit going on. Somebody gets, somebody steals your stuff, your food, and then they tell you, oh, you gotta feed the village, collect all this food, you gotta collect bones for money, there's an inventor, there's a hunter, there's a blacksmith, they're all gonna help you. And I was thinking that it's gonna be this weird, complicated, potentially even simulator-esque game. And you get in and none of that matters, like zero zilch, nothing. (laughs)
1: You get your food stolen by a bunch of little dinosaurs that, that look like gone.
3: It's a bunch of little Gons the
0: dinosaur. They're so cute I almost felt bad killing them.
3: I mean, they help you, but they help you by giving you something at the start of a level, so you get your pogo stick or your hang glider or your axe, whatever.
2: Excuse it... me, Sleepy, this is not the Gon category. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah... Uh... What, one of my
5: favorite parts of these uh, NPCs that help you is that uh, on stage four, everyone's favorite stage, it seems. Uh, anytime you go anywhere near the the NPC at the start of the level, it brings up a very uh, laggy dialogue bubble that uh, uh, brings the game down to like single single frames per second.
2: That's weird. I didn't have that issue. That's bizarre.
5: I I might have been going too
2: fast. Yeah, you were going too fast for the game.
1: I want to note about these NPCs that one of them is stated by the chief, um, and they all they all talk like banjo kazooies, which I I I actually kind of liked. Whatever. Yeah, banjo kazooie speak. But uh, the chief mentions one of your NPC friends is their best hunter, and I'm like, why isn't he the main character? Because this Sam dude just seems like some chump.
0: I mean, I think he is just some chump, and that's the guy that you send on a death mission to fight dinosaurs for food.
6: Sure, but His I value is that he's out.
0: expendable. Yeah. It. Uh,
2: what if the plot is all actually a conspiracy to try and get this guy killed, and in the end he ends up giving away his daughter to this chump? <laughs> I knew it.
0: I knew there was something deeper going on here.
5: I have a couple more notes on Gun. Uh There are some mechanics that uh, come into play, but don't ever actually matter. Uh, For instance, uh, if you jump on enemies before dispatching them, they drop more bones, but bones are basically worthless, so that doesn't matter. In fact, I don't even think they're counted for anything. Um, And let's see, what was the other note I had? Oh, I did want to talk uh, just about my strong opinion on what makes a good platformer. Uh, And that is, platformers are better with precise physics and hitboxes and, like, uh, predictable, like, uh, ways for things to react. And this game had none of that. Uh, Because your character is kind of slippery all the time. I think that's what I mean by going too slow and going too fast. Because even if I sprint, sometimes I just don't move at all. Uh, if I, uh, press the jump button too soon after sprinting. It had, it has a weird sluggish inertia, but also just, uh, a lot of, uh, sliding around the screen with no control.
1: You have, like, a weird floaty, kind of, like, sloppy midair jump that feels like it has a little bit of momentum to it, and then as soon as you hit the ground, your momentum just stops entirely.
0: Oh, and, and I, I did mean to mention this in Gun. If you fall from too far of a height, you don't get hurt or anything, but his his he, he bounces. He does this little dumb bounce on his ass, and you lose total control of him for that maybe quarter of a second. But that's the quarter of a second where you're going to be jumping a second time, and it just simply ignores that input. And it's so, so frustrating when he does this little bounce, and you need to make another quick jump. So you're holding right, and you hit that jump button, nothing happens, and you just fucking walk off a cliff. Like, oh my god, yeah, the the platforming in this is uh, abhorrent to, at some points. Like, it's okay if there's not anything precise going on. Like, you know, if the first couple of levels, you're just running across these big fields and smashing things with a club, and it's okay, you know, it's functional. But then you have to do these jumps onto, like, these 8x8 or 16x16 blocks that are also spiders, and so all that little shit just adds up to something so frustrating. I actually remembered, I do have one more
2: thing to talk about in Gun, considering it is the mechanics catch-all, and it's the, uh, that I think that something that would have saved this game, a lot of the trouble it gives people, is if it had had taken more from Super Mario World, in that if it had had the sort of camera, uh, programming that Super Mario World has, wherein it tends to snap to the bottom of the platform you're on, or it focuses I think on like where you should be seeing because there are a lot a lot of platforms in this game where you need to go down and you can't see where you're going. It's just totally it's off screen.
0: But didn't you notice that if you hold the R button and then move your D-pad, you can move where the camera's going and you can see lower. That's the ideal way of doing it.
2: Son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah uh there's that
5: uh one last thing that i that I have to give this uh negative points for gone. This game is filled with uh invisible platforms and like uh hidden pits that you can discover by swinging randomly, so by the time I found out those existed, I just had to like stop every two steps to
2: swing my fi- swing my club. Yeah, the same Mylon's Secret Castle, or whatever that was called. Like, this is not a good use of that. This is not a game that you are that interested in exploring and testing every few inches. And also, like, this game is front-loaded with... It's front-loaded with a lot of tutorials, but it doesn't give you tutorials on what you need to know. or Or, or like, little things like, you can go in this door, or the camera control, or... Did you know that there were bonuses in the earlier level? No, you didn't, because we didn't tell you.
0: Oh yeah, that's the the weirdest thing that I noticed, because it gives you a percentage of how much food you collected in a level. And the first level, I thought I was fairly thorough. I even found a secret pit, like, that you had to smash the ground for. I totally found it at random, and I was like, oh good, I found the big secret. I got to the end of the level and I had found 36% of the food. Now, every other level, though, I got above 75. So it's like, what the hell? Like, the first level was full of secrets, and then every other one had these minor secrets. Like, bizarre.
4: Yeah, and that reminds me. I think that, uh, for some reason, this game is, like, a precursor to Banjo-Kazooie in, like, 20 different ways. And I think, uh, as the podcast goes on, I'm going to, like... Have a running tally of these. So first off, we've got, uh, as we mentioned earlier, all the characters talk like in Banjo Kazooie with the type sounds. And uh, the other thing here is that it's a collectathon. It's like a 2D platformer collectathon. But yeah, you've got like a uh, hundred different hidden things that are in all these secret areas that you have to go all over the level everywhere to find, like uh, like jiggies.
2: I actually had that exact same thought about this being uh, sort of a precursor to Banjo-Kazooie and to relate to what Tulpa was saying earlier about a platformer needing uh, really precise controls, I was thinking, and I didn't want to like totally bash the game for this because it was a lot earlier, but um, for a game that wants you to collect everything in a level, they don't give you uh, entertaining enough verbs to do so, and not precise enough physics
0: yeah, if you're going to be running around collecting a bunch of shit, then basically every level should have a hack. Oh, yeah, or something yeah, like I agree. Because otherwise it's just a drag. <laughs> so, oh, you, Tolpa, you mentioned that bones don't do anything, and you're right up until, like, level 7 or something, and then you can find a store. Did we talk about the save thing on podcast, or was that pre-podcast? It was on, I think. Okay, cool. Well, there's a there is a store you can buy stuff with bones, and it's it's totally bizarre. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise they're useless.
5: There's a store on the first stage. There's a store on I think every stage. It's just very hard to find, and also they sell you like hints and game tips and the ability to save your game, except it's not really a save game.
0: I didn't I didn't get to one until like level seven. Holy crap!
4: They really did bury those. Yeah, I found one in level four after a really long set of different secret passages.
1: The bones are also a fixture in the plot, like when the chief is laying everything out for you at the beginning. It, your explicit goals are find our food and actually no, because he says them in the other way around. Your, your main goal is get to the dinosaur graveyard and collect the, their bones and also on the way find our food they stole. It, like, it seems like the bones have a little more emphasis.
0: That's right, I forgot about that. The whole point of this is that you're going to the dinosaur graveyard to get bones so you can buy more food. Which is... The the idea of caveman capitalism is kind of strange. <laughs> Especially
4: when there's floating McDonald's food everywhere.
0: Just everywhere. And it, it genuinely is red and yellow boxed hamburgers and french fries. Like, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> An exaggeration. Yeah.
4: The only difference is that the M is upside down, so it's a W. That's that's all.
0: Wicked Wh- I don't. I don't even know what they were going for with that. You should have turned it to W for Wumbo. That's the sound of that joke going right over my head.
4: It's I'm a SpongeBob reference.
0: Okay. Yep. That would definitely. That means it's going over my head. <laughs> all right. So, gun. We good with gun? I think we got a lot of good gun stuff. I think we've r- like thoroughly ringed out gun. Definitely. Gun's done. Dear Lord. Gun is done. I'm gonna skip out of the reading part.
6: Ammo.
0: Out of ammo. Gun is out of ammo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our next topic is vanity. I've written on my script. I, ri- I write these scripts so that I don't forget what I'm saying, and I wrote the only category that is also a deadly sin. And I'm looking at this going, what the fuck was I thinking? Anyway, so let's it's talk about It's a deadly oh, sin here. It, it is a, <laughs> no. So vanity, I mean, you can guess that's, you know, how did it look, how did it sound? Did it make you feel like you were the prettiest person? Um, but yeah, what, what do you think of vanity for this game?
4: Everything looks like it was designed by R. Crumb. It's horrible. I mean, it's like a really oh god, shitty R. Crumb.
2: See, now I have to look up R. Crumb. R.
4: Crumb. Everyone's so bulbous. Well, You're
3: totally right. Uh,
4: the, yeah, it's definitely
3: rounded, taking advantage of the fact you could do that. I mean, this looks. It's a decent looking game, though. Like, got the right colors, things look pretty nice, and that ass. Oh my god. Who's
2: ass? You mentioned that before, but I, I looked all over and I didn't find an ass. The,
3: the main characters, when you enter a door or something, it's just staring you in the face. Two round oranges just wobbling
6: <laughs> towards their <laughs> That's destination. That's the from
4: The Arcrum legacy right there.
2: Select button. Two oranges wobbling.
4: <laughs> so, uh, I was thinking, yeah, I agree that part of this game does look pretty good. The backgrounds look really nice.
5: Yeah, that's what I want to compliment. The backgrounds are really, really well done. Like, uh, they've got, like, the parallax scrolling and everything.
2: There's so much detail there. I did want to... I did just remember that uh, Tulpa said earlier that you can tell it's an Amiga game because of the backgrounds. I would also say that you can tell it's an Amiga game because every time you collect points, they go up in a moving rainbow color animation, and that's that's very Amiga.
4: Definitely. I also thought about that, like, I thought the Rainbow uh, score was really pleasing, but it also felt kinda, I don't know, like, shareware, like, uh, low-class, like, low-effort type of aesthetic. It also made me think this game, in every way, not just the score, uh, this game looks just like something that you would see a kid playing on Nick Arcade and then never hear about again. One of my thoughts
1: playing this was that this would be this is the kind of game I would where when I was a kid it, I would be being taken care of by a babysitter and the babysitter's kids would have this game and I would play it just because I didn't have a Super Nintendo not cuz I actually liked it or wanted to.
5: Oh, like well, that actually relates to uh one of my final thoughts on this game which is that uh this is the kind of game that you rent from a Blockbuster by accident.
2: This ain't Chuck Rock. What's going on? <laughs> this ain't joe and mac
0: <laughs> joe and oh, mac is better
4: joe and mac is better and we'll get there eventually won't we so what was up with uh, all the damn caveman platformers i mean there there seemed to be like a caveman aesthetic in the 90s that was popular and i have no idea why does anyone know
5: i think they were just uh, coasting on uh, the
2: popularity of the bunch series Or the Flintstones, I think maybe there was a bit of a revival of that, because when I was a kid, all there really was to watch was Hanna-Barbera
4: sometimes. Yeah, and Super Mario World started out the Super Nintendo with all this uh, dinosaur caveman type stuff as well.
1: When did Jurassic Park come out? Was this during the dinosaur zeitgeist? That's a great question. uh, I think Jurassic
4: Park was 92. 93. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is definitely right around that Jurassic Park zeitgeist. I had a thought this about doesn't... this, too, is that uh, cavemen kind of make sense for kids, right? Because the way cavemen are portrayed in these things is like beings of pure id. And like that's definitely what uh, Sam in this game is. I mean, he runs like a dog with his tongue hanging out and stuff. Uh, so it's like, you know, kids are also all about the id and the lack of self-control and uh, running around all like a dog and all that.
5: Sam does this really grotesque leer whenever you press down on on the d-pad, and I have no idea what, what that was about or what it
0: was for. I was He's panting mention that. like a dog, to get ready to run like a dog.
2: I, I don't know, it just looks like he's baring his fangs that he apparently has. It was very odd.
0: It's creepy, it is creepy, he's creepy all around.
1: I like that you know when it's good to lift off with your hang glider, when his tongue starts hanging out, like, that's your indicator.
3: Oh
6: god, like, can I actually you imagine
3: that... a 3D rendered version of this game now? Like, it'd be okay. uh, Ew. It would be so good right next to Bubsy 3D. I was
2: gonna say Bubsy didn't die for that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Our lord
4: and savior Bubsy up on the big yarn cross. So, there was a lot of like, uh, I, I mentioned shareware earlier, but a lot of this game feels like really, like, generic shareware type stuff. Like, uh, the the fruits and like ice cream sundays and mcdonald wick Wanold's food and uh the bonus stage looks like every other bonus stage in the universe where you collect wrapped presents and stuff like it's all just straight off of some shareware floppy disk like 150 free assets type type deal
2: i think
1: that yeah, also speaks
4: definitely. to
2: its amiga origins
4: yeah that that's definitely a Classic P-
1: shoddy PC platformer thing, especially like a Euro platformer. It's like, h- hop around the levels and collect all the assets to win.
5: Yeah, but even then, I would rather just play
0: Jazz Jackrabbit than this. Me too. I'd rather what? play. Well, see, I would rather play a worse platformer than this, because it's just. Like, I don't know, it's, it looks just good enough and is just uh, uh, mechanically sound enough to make me angry. <laughs>
2: Boy, I oh. can't wait for the Bram Stoker's Dracula podcast. Oh,
5: oh my my, uh, my favorite thing about uh, uh, the score popping up with rainbow colors is that you don't actually have a score indicator for most of the game. So there's literally no point in knowing how many tens of thousands of points you just got.
0: But yeah, the score is... Well, like, going back to... Uh, to, to the whatever the company was that made uh, Soul Blazer ActRaiser has a score and that felt equally meaningless because you don't see it most of the time and then it doesn't affect fucking anything <laughs> You know what else had a score that was definitely
2: a leftover from a previous um, era of video games uh, Wolfenstein 3D that I mean though in a lot of ways Wolfenstein 3D is an arcade game because you are trying to collect all the treasure in this maze thing like a Pac-Man and there is a Pac-Man level. Wait, there's a Pac-Man level in uh, in Wolfenstein 3D. Uh, no,
0: I I got that. I was just I didn't know.
2: Oh yeah, it's a, it's a it's a secret level, and it actually has the Pac-Man ghosts, and it's laid out like a Pac-Man level, and the ghosts are invincible, and you have to wander around collecting treasure instead of dots. Wow,
0: I had no idea. This is blowing my fucking mind.
2: I love it. So,
5: who wants to make a, a prehistoric man mod for Wolfenstein 3D? <laughs> I'm all over it. <laughs> oh, there's a literal example of vanity in this game. Uh, in your starting cutscene, one of the last uh, things that the old man says is that, uh, you are starting the greatest adventure in
0: history. But it's pre- like, it. I, I actually noticed that and I forgot to write it down. The intro starts with one night in prehistory. So it'll be the greatest adventure that nobody fucking remembers because it's prehistory.
5: It did live up to that.
0: (laughs) Oh.
1: He specifies that it's the greatest adventure in human history, which I just took as, you know, just a silly little joke. Oh, we're cavemen. There is no human history really
4: yet. So, uh... There's this inventor character, and he kind of looks like a caveman Einstein, but something I noticed about this guy's design, uh, I don't know if I appreciated it or or what, but like, so he's an Einstein, right? And he's the the nerd who's inventing your gadgets, so he's got to be wearing glasses. But they actually seem to have considered the fact that these are cavemen and don't have glasses yet. So So instead of giving this guy glasses, they gave him these giant, bulbous, weird eyes that are popping out of his head.
0: I I didn't even think about that. That's kind of hilarious. But then
5: they forget that this is supposed to be like in caveman times because the other NPC that uh, you meet regularly, the weaponsmith guy, uses uses like an anvil and hammer that are clearly made of iron. (laughs) This is very true. true. I want accuracy in my Neolithic games. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I play I played Far Cry Primal. I know what a good caveman game
2: is. Speaking of the inconsistency uh regarding that, they're like when later on you do uh invade and just like just kind of destroy another village and the reason is because they stole a book that your tribe wrote. And I'm like, "Books? Y'all got books now?" And you're still riding around on little little wheels and pogo sticks? A pogo stick is actually a surprisingly sophisticated machine.
4: Yeah, that's true. And I also wanted to put on the record that that town is named Slimeville. And uh, it appears that the uh, humans who live there, who, by the way, look exactly like your character, uh, all coexist peacefully with slime monsters uh, in their... Highly technological society that they've simply been able to develop solely because they stole your your special book So you go in there and murder all of them Yeah, you just straight up like commit homicide against entire village. That's I missed that Wow (laughs) I I love the idea of
0: an alternative history where where uh, they murder Sam instead and then now we have you know history of living peacefully with slimes which would be honestly, honestly, just the best history. I'd prefer that. That would rule. I will say, I thought the music in this game was... Beyond, like, shit. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> it wasn't terrible. Like, the, I, I thought that the fourth level music was pretty good as well.
4: Yeah, I made a note of that. I thought that level's music was actually kinda good. It was the only track that I specifically thought was any good. But the other thing I had to say about the music, and this is going to take that Banjo-Kazooie box again, is that this music sounds a lot like Banjo-Kazooie's like, weird N64 polka type stuff, except a lot worse.
6: <laughs>
4: See,
5: I was going to say, I think the music sounds a lot like an Amiga platformer, because everything about this game is an Amiga platformer.
0: It doesn't have any, well, okay, I'm thinking Commodore 64 or more. I was going to say it doesn't have any, like, ridiculous chiptune-esque arpeggios, though, so...
1: It, it uses the, kind of the same sound fonts that as, like, Plock, and reminded me of that instantly, except without, you know, the wonderful genius that is Tim Polen.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Plock music is,
4: uh, is pretty much the best part of that game, so, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, there was another track I just remembered. I don't remember what level it was in, but, uh... There was this cool music that was, like, uh... There was this catchy, like, bass line that sounded like a... a can bass line or something, and then there was, like, a guy just improvising jazz piano over it, and that was the whole track. It was kinda good. That's
0: bizarre. I don't know if I got that far. Or maybe I was so enraged with all of the ways... the various ways I was dying that I didn't notice it.
5: That must have been one of the later levels. I don't remember the music from any of those later levels because uh, after I stopped playing, I did watch the long play and I just had the video on at double speed just to see if there's any interesting stages later on.
4: Yeah, it was definitely a later level. I only heard it on the long play. By the way, I'm, I'm inserting the fourth
0: level music somewhere in here, so we're probably talking over it right now.
4: Hell yeah! That that weird Super Nintendo acoustic guitar sounds nice.
0: Beautiful. Any any other thoughts on vanity in this game? I think we covered that it's sort of ugly and sounds okay and has beautiful backgrounds.
1: I just wanted to draw attention to to Sam's adorable little beard gut and how he's generally like. Thought I thought he was like the only character that looked at all like anything I cared about. The rest is pretty generic cartoon and whatnot. And also, Clint, even though you talked earlier about how annoying that falling too far and bouncing on your butt mechanic is, uh, I have a fondness for 2D platformers that have a falling to the sky, uh, I'm gonna hit the ground animation. uh, And I'm glad I didn't get to any levels where that actually was a problem.
0: No, I think actually the animations for Sam are pretty all right. Um, It's the the mechanical side of it that drives me uh, to madness. Um, But yeah, the little animation where he's doing that cartoon, looking at the camera and flailing his arms wildly as he falls too far, that's pretty cute.
1: And the bounce off the ground reminds me a little bit of how in Kirby games, if you fall too far, he lands on his face and will hurt anything underneath him
4: and it made me want to go play Kirby instead. Yeah, that mechanic works way better in Kirby. Um, Random note, uh, something I thought was kind of funny that I'm pretty sure was actually an intentional joke that actually worked was uh there's this level later on where you're next to a volcano there's like this big volcano in the background and as most levels start it starts with the village chief who gives you this long text info dump but in it he's like this volcano has never erupted since uh i was a child you have nothing to worry about it's never going to erupt again and then you walk right and instantly it erupts then the whole level is about this erupting volcano that's
5: also the nicest looking stage, in my opinion, just because uh, they went all out with uh, the Super Nintendo uh, effects on that
2: stage to make that volcano eruption look super good. I really appreciated that joke of the volcano erupting. That actually made me laugh out loud. I uh, One thing that I was remembering for Vanity is uh, Tulpa mentioned them using the power of the Super Nintendo for that level they also kind of like like bosses look really really nice there's only like three or four and they all use multiple sprites um there's uh it they don't use mode seven until like way late in the game for icebergs in an ice level that honestly looks like hell to play through and um then they use mode 7 once more for the final boss and it looks good there the final boss actually is really really cool
4: Yeah i thought yeah. the final boss was cool too um There was another thing, this might have been Mode 7, but I'm not sure. There was this tiniest moment in this game that I thought was the most impressive uh, visual thing of the whole game. Um, And uh, if we still add grandeur as a category, this is like the only thing I would have from this game for it. But uh, there's this level where you're going up uh, the inside of a tree the whole level. Like, you're going up this, like, stump and everything, going up platforms, it's very vertical. And then when you get to the top and it's time for the boss, Like, basically, you do your, like, dumb victory dance thing, and then the boss just, like, rips the top of the tree off around you, and now you're, like, on the top of this broken-up stump, and the boss is there, and, like, there's this cracking sound, and it looks great. I was, like, shocked how good it looked. Yeah,
2: I remember that now. That was, uh... That You actually worked your way to the bottom of the tree at that point. You'd work your way up one tree and then down the bottom, and then like the boss rips that tree off. And that is mode 7, and it does look really good. That's one of the prettier parts of the game, in my opinion.
0: That up the tree level was where I quit. That sucked. Because <laughs> you had to do this thing where you would jump <laughs> into an updraft at exactly the right time to go up. And, uh, oh, and oh, fuck that. No, I fucking hated that so bad.
2: It's funny that the going down the tree level is actually one where it's pitch black except for a firefly with you, and yet it's still easier looking anyway than that updraft level, which I will admit was really needlessly obtuse oh um this is just uh this is this probably belongs in gun, but
5: uh we mentioned bosses uh a minute ago, and I just wanted to note that. The boss fights in this game are completely miserable. Uh, they take forever. They just uh, gave the bosses like infinite hit points, so it was just tedium.:
0: Yeah, and all this the, the strategy, at least for the first boss, is essentially just repeat the same thing over and over perfectly.
2: I looked into uh, a game FAQ's FAQ, and it said that the final boss takes 47 hits.
0: It's re- the final boss is really easy when you're using a pro-action replay code so that you don't ever get hit. I will say that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I bet.
5: Yeah, but if you have to avoid taking hits, it just it takes, like, 20 minutes just for, like, the first boss you encounter. Never mind any of the
0: later ones. So So bosses, look good, feel bad. That's basically what we got going on there.
5: This game, generally, look good, feel bad. <laughs>
0: Well, that's really the summation of gun and vanity. Perfect. I love it. (laughs) Any other final thoughts on vanity before we move on to uh,
4: mystery, which I think will be somewhat short? It's not as ugly as Chuck Rock. When you kill a mountain lion instead of a fur, which is what the game tells you it's going to drop, it drops a rug, so I appreciated that.
1: Also, they're not mountain lions. They're just straight-up lions.
0: This is they're true. outline so amazing. I'm watching a let's play video of this. I'm watching the long play that you that you watched, and I'm watching him murder fellow cavemen. and yeah, this is pretty, pretty bizarre. Um, <laughs> this is really actually pretty gross. Um okay, well there it's we go. Rough. So that's, yeah, I mean, I wonder if they're going for the whole like sort of old theory of um, like eliminating the god damn it. Why can't I think of what they're called? Neanderthals.
4: Neanderthals.
0: Neanderthals. Yeah, yes. Um, where previously we thought that, like, you know, they just got murdered, and it turns out really we probably just bred with them, and now we're all a little bit Neanderthal. Um, but anyway, I think that's what they're going for in this level.
5: I don't think they thought about it, honestly. I, I think I know what they thought about, and it wasn't that. I'll, I'll go over what I think they uh, were uh, concerned with at the end of uh, this podcast.
0: Excellent. I'll be looking forward to it. So, let's talk about mystery. Was it in a game that presents everything to you and then it does exactly what it's telling you it's going to do? Is there any room for mystery?
4: I have one, and I've been yes. waiting this whole podcast to talk about this. This is something that uh, I got a huge kick out of. Okay, so there are bonus stages in this game, and they really are too. Stealing my point again. All right, All right let, I'm gonna I'm gonna rant about this. So. Uh, bonus stage, right? It's really hard to get to. It takes you to this, like, abstract, weird place where, uh, it looks like every other bonus stage in the universe. I mean, it's just, uh, stars in the background and, like, pink and yellow, like, uh, weird, like, curtains and, like, uh, boxes with stars on them, and you just collect, like, generic presents, uh, and stuff like that. But the thing that I found very mysterious was that, uh, I mean, not only is there that, but when you beat the stage, uh, with all the food that you collected in the stage that falls down into the pot for your village, uh, you also actually get those presents from the bonus stage, uh, these wrapped gift boxes. And the chief acknowledges it, and also you can get over 100% on a level that way. And I just... uh, I was thinking, this makes those abstract bonus stages diegetic, like, they're actually really there. You're going to this other dimension that looks like some kind of, like, Black Lodge type uh, metaphysical space, collecting gift boxes that are completely anachronistic, anachronistic and bringing them over to your village, uh, and giving them to your people, and uh, my concluding thoughts on this are, what is in those boxes?
2: Okay, that's good. That actually uh, doesn't overlap my own observation. That's amazing. But that is a good observation.
0: Yeah, I. that's that's some ancient alien shit right there, you know? <laughs>
5: <laughs> Wait, you think the gift boxes are anachronistic and not the McDonald's food?
0: Or McDonald's food? It all is. It's Pogo-sticks. just anachronistic... What? Wait, what?
4: Oh, pogo sticks, yes. But it's, <laughs> it's just, just the an... fact that it's like a sealed box and you don't know what's in it and it's gift-wrapped and it's from another dimension. WHAT'S IN THE BOX?! Okay,
2: so do you guys want to hear my little observation of mystery? Yes. 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 Okay, so... Um... There are, like, you go to bonus stages by collecting the bonus letters, right? Well, the devs intended for you to be able to, at maximum, reach four different bonus stages. They didn't intend for you to be able to go back through levels with the stage select, even though they left that in, and collect the bonus letters you missed. If you do, you can reach the fifth bonus stage, but there isn't one. So it's glitched out. It's glitched out. I have not seen it, but I read about it. And if, like, you just basically get a freebie for that, you get a free 500,000 points. That's amazing. That's incredible.
0: I had no idea.
2: So along with that, where are these gifts from? There is this definite, like, bizarre extra dimension that Sam goes to co- to collect things for the tribe that no one even knows about, that even he should not be able to reach. That is excellent.
0: I'm trying to find this, and I can't find it anywhere. Nobody's documented it other than in text.
5: Well even the even like the walkthrough lawn play did not find all the treasure in this game. Like this is just how uninterested people are in trying to explore the uh uh boundaries of this game.
0: I mean it is it is boring. It's a boring game. <laughs> I wanna know how a system I, I briefly touched on this, but I wanna know how a system of caveman capitalism came about where they decided that bones were the currency, and then they can use that to exchange for food. Bones don't have any inherent value, so therefore there must be a governing body that gives those bones inherent value, and so there must be a caveman coalition, perhaps, if we're sticking with the, uh, the whatever you call that when you have a lot of letters in a row. Um, <laughs> so that's, there's a mystery there, because you can't have capitalism without somebody telling you what the money's worth. Not to mention that it's constantly inflating because Sam's killing
4: everything. Fucking everything. Yeah, that's a pretty perverse economic incentive.
0: Yeah, there's usually not such a direct line from murder to money. Well... <laughs> <laughs> any other any other prehistoric mysteries for us on yeah, this game? Yeah, I
4: have a, a few notes. Uh, so, let's see. Um... I appreciated kind of the fact that when you go to a shop uh, two-thirds of the things you can buy are like explanations of further secrets. Like when I first discovered a shop I had to like do that thing where you club through the ground with no indication that you can and then I like rode a a rock skull that floated me up to like the heavens where I found this shop and in the shop this guy was selling uh, one a scroll that had an explanation for a shortcut, and then also a scroll that uh, just had secrets on it um, for bones and I bought the secret one it told me like nothing of value, but I appreciated the thought uh,
5: that's that seems so bizarre. i don't understand why you would spend like the one resource they tell you is important on uh, a secret. That doesn't matter. Nothing in this game matters. Um, I did have a final thought on uh, mystery. Let me find it. And thus man invented nihilism.
4: <laughs> While you're looking, uh, <laughs> the secret, the ability to buy secrets did remind me of uh, the Melnorme in Star Control 2. Just like, go and spend all your resources to find out hidden info. But uh, in that game, the secrets actually meant something. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, this game sort of indicates towards a lot of things that could be meaningful and interesting and ends up doing, like, zero with them. It does seem a little messed up that uh,
2: the game seems kind of insists that the secrets are necessary to get the score that you need, that you don't actually need, um, but they want you to have. and But you need those resources to find
0: the secrets so that you can find the secrets so that you can have enough to... Uh yeah it's it's a very circular system for no no meaning
5: oh yeah the um my mystery uh before I quit the game, I did finish uh one stage where I got more than one hundred percent, but I have no idea how I did that.
0: <laughs> I never went on a bonus stage. that's weird then, huh, that's pretty great again, we're looking at like there are great games that have done stuff like this, like Donkey Kong country has you can get a hundred and one or a hundred and two percent or something. And this game just sort of offhandedly lets you get over 100% without doing anything special. Like what the hell? And I will uh I will note that uh the exact
5: percentage I I got is uh literally all I have in the poetry section.
4: I think I bet I bet I could guess what number that is. Um, so my last note about mystery is uh, more about the lack of mystery the fact that you've got this whole like coterie of, of weird friends that follow you around and are in every level uh, like spaced out such that you're never alone for very long is kind of a mystery killer this is uh, the least lonely game
0: that's a really good point you think a prehistoric journey through jungles and caves and everything would be kind of a a lonely sojourn and yet and yet you talk to at least one person every level at the beginning
2: of anything, hold on to everything. <laughs> Never mind.
0: <laughs> I hope it was another SpongeBob reference.
2: <laughs> no, that was that was a uh, an intentionally butchered line from Night in the Woods.
0: Ah, uh, got it. Yeah, I need to play that game. So I've heard really good things about it, but uh, I can't be bothered to read or feel things anymore. So yeah, especially after uh, playing Prehistoric Man. Which I f- I failed to mention was known as P Man in Japan. Hell yeah.
2: Well, I'm glad I'm not alone in that because that is what I was considering writing my notes as.
0: P-Man. It's <laughs> an appropriate name for this game. <laughs> so we went through mystery. Uh let's talk about poetry. I mean, poetry is my favorite category that we go through, but I didn't feel like there was a lot to offer here, so I hope somebody found something else a little bit poetic about this game.
5: I finished uh, that level with 108%. Hi, Tim.
6: <laughs>
4: um. So... I uh I mentioned earlier that I had something for poetry that was entirely external to the game and uh I'll warn y'all this one was a little bit sad but I I couldn't go without saying it. So that long play that uh we watched on YouTube of this game, um I saw some odd comments under the video and I looked into it. Uh so This YouTube account belonged to a guy who did long plays for, like, every Super Nintendo game. Like, he did a ton of long plays. And uh, apparently, right after he recorded this one, like, I'm talking, like, a week or less after, he was diagnosed with cancer, and he passed away a little while after that. And then his father uh, took control of his YouTube account and put up, a few different videos uh, in memoriam to him, and I ended up watching some of them, and it was very touching. And it was just a, you know, an experience I did not expect to have uh, in connection with this dumb game.
0: Holy shit! Yeah, that's wow. I had no idea. That's that's, very what a coincidence.
5: Yeah, that's really heavy for a game
0: like uh, Prehistoric Man. Yeah.
4: Fuck yeah. This. <laughs> Sorry to kill the vibe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think that's worth noting. I mean, so let's see. What's this guy's YouTube name? PsychoMog. I think that's the I assume that's the one you're talking about. It was no, uh, maybe-
4: it was, it was, it, was it was
0: PsychoMog. Oh, yeah, you're right. I just I saw that that somebody had uploaded a video to this a week ago. So that kind of freaked me out. I'm like, "Well, it, but no, when I'm looking at some of the older videos and yeah, it looks like he passed away. Oh, wow. What a bummer.
2: Please edit this all out. Oh god.
0: No, no, no. We're not. At it. No, I think this is very interesting. It's the an, uh, like the fact that something like this is connected with a game like Prehistoric Man, a game that has no meaning on its own. I I, th- I like that there's something a little meaningful about this. So, so yeah. Right. So, okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, well, this this podcast in memory of Jeremy Psychomog, who was who who guided us through this dark game.
4: Do you have Do you have any other poetic yeah, I mean, things? Yeah, I wouldn't have. I, I was going to say, I wouldn't have been prepared for this podcast at all without his video, so I do all in one. Well, there we go. Well, that's, well, that's, gosh, that's really interesting. Sorry, no, I'm just, I'm hung
0: up on this. I have to close this YouTube channel, and I'm just going to be thinking about this for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> he did what we could not, and go be to greater pasture. Well, there we go. Um, the only, the only poetic thing I wrote down... Was something that already came up, which was that the guy cusses at you, and he says, "When you do bad, and he's like, damned, pathetic, really.'" So, I mean, that's if that's the extent of poetry. I like the idea that he runs like a dog. I guess there's some interest there, like the fact that they have dogs and they've been imitating them. I was hoping for so- more sort of imitative things from prehistoric Sam here, um, but obviously we didn't get that. Another anachronism, though, because dogs weren't uh, weren't necessarily. Uh, well, I guess there's dinosaurs, so fuck it. Domesticated, I think, is the word you were looking for? Yep, that's the word I'm looking for. Good god. Well, he could be running like a wolf. It specifically says he's running like a dog.
3: <laughs> so, I think there's something in the message of the game in that you're trying to get through this harrowing escape. It really came to me when you're in that volcano level, in the second one, I guess, where you have to literally avoid the rising tide of magma as as it goes. And as you're going along, there's food you could grab, but your focus is obviously on getting to the top and not dying. And at the end, your chief chides you for not getting enough food if you did not get enough food for whatever was randomly hanging around in the middle of a cave as it was filling with magma. And it's like, "Hey, hey, man, back off. I just survived a volcano as it was erupting, maybe worry about the food tomorrow. I don't know, just something about that, like, what other people are placing on you is ultimately how you're viewed despite the struggles you go through. Something like that. The struggle of man despite his village.
2: Ultimately, more evidence that this game is the tribe chief attempting to kill
0: Sam. (laughs) Yeah, he really doesn't like Sam. And for that matter, how did the cave chief guy get through the burning tree as well? Because he's always just perfectly safe, even though he never moves. Yeah, he went around. He went around it? (laughs) That fucker.
2: (laughs) Uh, My input for poetry was something I stated earlier, which was about how you can purchase a save state in shops that ultimately is not a permanent save and it just kinda gives you more limited continues and I found that it, I was really kinda stretched for it, trying to stretch for it, but it was a uh, I found that it's very sort of uh thing on impermanence about how
0: Nope, there's nothing really there. It's just fucking <laughs> weird. Alright, well, I think we've stretched the poetic limits of this game to the maximum, so, uh, so let's move on. So our final, well, unless anybody else had something to say.
2: No, I, I think it. Milkman actually had the best input. Oh, sorry, sleepy. go ahead.
1: I just want to comment on the name, Prehistoric Man, with a K, um, and appreciate uh, the simpler times that were the 90s, where all you needed to do to communicate that something was totally cool and extreme was to uh, put your main character in a pair of incongruous sunglasses on the box art. And put, switch out one of the C's for a K.
0: <laughs> Times truly were simpler.
2: Does the main character ever have eyes? Not in the game. Only when he's falling. If he's falling really far, then he's freaking out and his eyes appear.
1: Oh yeah, or when you die. His eyes like bug out and he like does a comical shriek.
5: Oh, uh, one of my favorite pieces of uh, animation in this game is actually setting Sam on fire in, in the volcano level, like uh, if you just leave him there and uh, to be swallowed by the magma. Uh, they have a unique death animation for him there. It's great. Oh yeah,
2: uh, oh yeah, he burns away to a crisp and it's an insta-kill and I remember that. I remember not being very pleased by it, but that is a good animation
0: that speaking of the like gluts of certain kinds of games i feel like there were a lot of games that had very pleasing animations like say bubsy but were terrible to play which was a really weird like fad for a while
4: yeah well remember at the time like all the critics were talking about i mean it's easy to forget but it was all about graphics then too i mean graphics were a big talking point for any given game and uh I mean, it's like how Earthbound got shat on when it came out because it didn't have big fancy animations. It actually went a long way to getting your game purchased.
5: Yeah, uh, one of I found some vintage reviews of this game, and uh, GameFan, which was notorious for this kind of thing, uh, gave this game like a 90 out of a 100 uh, because it looks, to quote, almost 32-bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Give it a th- give it a 31 out of a 100, then, please. You
3: know, now that you say that, I really wonder if the, in those early reviews, if those people are sometimes even really, like, playing the game. Because that's back before people, like, there was, like... Uh, I don't know how to say this. Game theory or, you know, ideas about, like, what makes a video game bad or good. It was more like, does it look cool? Does it sound cool? Is it using that blast processing, man? Like... Was that all they were looking for it, with the lesser reviews? Because usually they're what, like three paragraphs or something? They weren't diving in. Uh, well, one of the other reviews I saw, uh, the bottom
5: line was like, uh, this game looks amazing, but the game plays bad and the character is boring and everything is kind of bad about it. But it looks amazing. So it got an
0: 87 out of one hundred. <laughs> oh my god, I had forgot, I I remember reading reviews back in the Super Nintendo and N64 days, and just, like, even as a, a teenager, being appalled at how high a score it would be for, like, looking rad. I'm like, come on.
4: Yeah, those were the dark days. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of discourse around games at that point was, like, looking at them as uh, consumer products or, like, technological uh, feats rather than uh, artistic uh, creations or experiences. I mean i'm not buying microsoft office here
2: yeah i really wish that at the time we had uh m- like it, there was more of an interest in the type of thing that like paul robertson does or robert paulson no no, no paul robertson i'm not sure who paul robertson is <laughs> okay paul robertson uh is uh, an animator who mostly does like uh sprite work for video games like the Scott Pilgrim video game and, uh, Mercenary Kings that, uh, Persona of Our Forms worked on. And it, uh, he has done, like, shorts where it's just, or, like, these really elaborate gifs where it's just all of this sprite work and I really wish that people who did things like Bubsy and stuff could have just been able to do that just make a sprite filled little movie maybe that would have been better for them than trying to make a really bad game
5: well i think uh, are we naturally transitioning into harmony
0: yeah let's yeah we're naturally transitioning into harmony so just yeah how it all comes together to make a game excuse my ringtone
3: <laughs> that was actually i was perfect. gonna say that's very that perfect, perfect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that really worked for uh for harmony well, thank you. I'll I'll make sure to have my phone up on maximum volume all the time.
2: <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, okay, so I'm gonna. T- oh, okay. go ahead. Sorry, I've claimed the podcast now. Um, my observation with Harmony was that all of the levels connect together logically and have a narrative purpose. Uh, like, when you first go to the forest, you go up through a tree, and then like the next level is through the canopy, the next level is still in the canopy at night, and then after that you were going back down through another tree so that you can land down and enter the village maybe you could interpret that as a sort of uh, espionage thing, maybe not um, the village is seen as a sort of uh, blockade to the mountain that will eventually give way to the graveyard all of the things like just piece together really well, uh, the volcano leads to a burning forest level, it's all pretty clear, It's very, it's very dark souls, it all connects together to make sense
4: there's also two games in a row from the snes yeah we're
0: hitting we're we're batting a thousand on dark souls references yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's all we care about that's the that's the main category but also um all the levels have a narrative purpose like in each one of them it's like oh you need to collect this thing because that's relevant which is you know a little generic but also there's other ones where this one character that's important to us has been kidnapped while he was trying to do this other thing that is relevant to our goal and i just was actually pretty surprised by that because in other games like super mario world it's like just play the damn game it's good it's there it's there to play in but here they wanted to justify everything and while that led to a lot of talking that wasn't necessarily important to the game and kind of interrupted the flow it was definitely really unorthodox and interesting
0: yeah, because when I, when I think of Super Mario World, it feels fairly cohesive to me in terms of the way that the levels are designed and the, you know, the theming around the levels and things like that. But it never had that narrative justification for why you were where you were when you were there, which is, yeah, it is really interesting. It feels like, I don't know, it's t- like was this develop- where was this developed? It feels like a, an English game to me, like a, U- a game that came out of the UK. France. Okay, so I wasn't... I was in the, the right part of the world, sort of. It does uh, have that so Euro yeah, game, but... I would have
5: totally guessed it was an English game as well, and I kind of assumed it was, because it plays so
4: badly. Yep! You know, uh, most Super Nintendo games that are doing the kind of thing that this game tried to do with its locations would simply just have an overworld that they show you going through, and that would be the shorthand for it, while this game tries to do it through text. That's kind of interesting.
5: I I do have to wonder, though. uh, I didn't think every area led uh, to every other area naturally. Like, I I wasn't paying super a lot of attention when I was watching the uh, Let's Play after I was done playing. Uh, But didn't you, like, uh, go to a glacier level?
0: That's a good point. You do end up on a glacier, a bunch of icebergs at some point, which, yeah, I guess that doesn't quite logically follow, does it? But you're going north to the graveyard, aren't you? I think you're going far north.
3: Well, I think they're also trying to evoke the idea of the Ice Age, right, at the end of the game with the prehistoric... I mean, it's not historically
4: accurate, but I think that's maybe kind of what they're going for. They did uh actually foreshadow that level, I think. At the beginning of the game they talk about you're going to have to cross the ice fields to get to the graveyard and they show like uh, a really pretty uh shot of these ice fields, like right at the at the start of the game.
5: Oh well that goes to show how little I'm paying attention. It's how it's the
2: attention that this game deserves. I do want to add in one more little thing that uh a lot of games like well, for instance, Super Mario World and Soul Blazer uh, justify the different locales you go to with an overworld that shows all of them. But this game didn't do that. Uh, or, like, it showed you certain things in a cutscene at the beginning, but for the most part, um, they they justified it by, by either having the levels seem sequentially appropriate or to... Uh, justify it through speaking.
0: Yeah, they, it's, it's, it's an interesting approach. Not one that I felt was super successful because I didn't notice it. But, but, uh, it is, it is a very different approach to the standard. Here's an overworld. Here's all the places you're going to be going, you know, kind of thing. Like, it's, it's a bit of a mystery up until you actually get there, but it still feels somewhat coherent.
4: I was just thinking about what milkman was saying earlier about the uh the main theme i guess of this game being like what sam has to go through for his village and like how much shit they give him for not being perfect about it even though he's putting himself in mortal danger constantly and i was thinking like that goes even further when he's straight up like committing genocide against ape people or when he's I mean, in particular, especially when he's straight up murdering a whole village of people who look more like him than all of the NPCs in his village. I mean, they've all got the uh, purple hair, they've generally got the same kind of build as him. I mean, it looks like they just edited the sprite of him to make it look a little bit different. So he's killing people that are more like him than the people that he's serving.
3: My god. What if he was accidentally cast out by the other faction, then raised but hated by the other tribe, and they use him as a weapon?
5: (laughs) So you're saying this is theory? You're just saying this is
3: actually Redwall, then? Uh, Yes, the most intricate 16-bit retelling of that. Of like the worst Redwall book.
5: The only one I remember because it's so racist. I'm frantically googling
0: Redwall. <laughs> Wait! Ah, oh, damn it! I can't whistle. Edit this out. Nope, that's staying in. <gasps> my, my podcast career <laughs> <laughs> over before you knew it. No, being charmingly uh, unable to do things is part of being a podcaster, so it's fine.
1: Now you'll so never whistle with- tune in this town again. <laughs>
3: With Harmony, what grabbed me was the penguins at the end of the game. Those things were so freaking awesome, it made up for a lot of how terrible the game was before it. Yeah, they should have brought the penguins in earlier,
5: but also, uh, penguins don't appear in the north, so this game clearly did not
2: do its fucking research.
3: I was about well, to go the there. Before the polls reversed, so.
2: <laughs> God damn it. I uh something small that I just remembered is that uh I'm pretty sure that when you kill a penguin, uh well one, uh you're a murderer because penguins are angels and you're going to hell. But two, when you murder them in game, uh the little yelp they do is actually Sam's getting damaged yelp but sped up and made higher pitch. Whoa.
0: Sam's a penguin. X. You heard it here
2: <laughs> first. Here first.
0: Alright. Well, so this game seemed like it made a lot of strides towards being harmonious, and yet none of us felt any inner peace whatsoever while we played it. <laughs> That's my summary.
5: It never really tied together. It never felt me cohesive. this game never felt uh very uh much like it was harmonious or coming together in any way. Uh like it never really tied together despite the uh efforts they made towards uh uh, making it uh, cohesive whole.
0: Yep, I think that's about yeah, it's about it. They made the strides, and then it just didn't work. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up harmony, and then uh, we have a guest category this week. I think we're gonna do guest categories. So, uh, the request this week was propaganda, which you know, kind of you know, what is this game trying to say? What's its weird hidden message? So, what do we got for propaganda?
2: We got to let one second before I talk about this cuz this was his idea.
4: Thanks. Yeah, it was my idea to do propaganda as a category. Uh I mean, I'm sure we probably all have stuff to say about it, but the first thing that jumps to mind, and I was intentionally not bringing it up until now, was uh, the fact that this game is pretty misogynistic. I mean, like, the motivation that's being dangled in front of your main character is that if you successfully uh, save the village, then you get to marry the chieftain's daughter, who, uh, by the way, is, uh, uh, the portrayal of the daughter is just god awful. So yeah, that's some messaging here that uh, I don't quite care for.
5: Oh, this same is explicitly...
3: Aruga!
5: This name is explicitly misogynistic. Like, uh, I think the wording was something like, uh, the daughter will be given to you as your prize.
0: Yeah, it was it was very much here is my possession and you can have it. Which is not... not pleasing. But guys, it's just realistic.
3: <laughs> oh, sorry, just puking all over my desk. Look, it's about journalism and video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
5: Prehistoric Man is about ethics and journalism. We've established that.
0: And I think the R. Crumb comparison is, is particularly um, adept here with her. Because she's very much an R. Crumb giant-breasted fantasy woman who doesn't know anything.
4: Yeah, that was what tipped me off, really, was uh, to the Arcrum thing, was she definitely seems like a, a more poorly drawn R. crumb character. Blame the French, I guess?
0: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs>
4: oh, but I, I... can't find a picture. But
5: I can finally talk about uh, what the developers were actually intending uh, with the design of this game, because... That's the propaganda, the hidden message of this game. So, the the way the uh, game is designed was mostly to trick you into renting it over and over because they made it so brutally hard and obtuse in a lot of stupid ways that uh, you would be forced to uh, rent the game again after you fucked up the first time. Uh, And it's... It's not honestly that hard, like uh, I got a third of the way through it in just the one hour, but it's absolutely a game designed to frustrate players, and uh, if if I was a child, I would have spent a lot of time on this game if I was stupid enough to have rented this by mistake.
4: That's a good point, and it actually just made me make this connection I've never made before, which was... Uh... In the 80s, there was this booming VHS rental market, right? It was like the first time that movie rentals were a huge deal. And uh, as such, a lot of movies got made just for that market, like people made a lot Of shitty direct to video, like horror movies or whatever, where you'd make like a really attractive cover, like with a really crazy illustration, and then it would, you'd make all your money from rentals, really. Uh, Like cheap, low budget, straight to rental. And it made me wonder if there was ever a straight to rental video game market incentive like this. Because if there ever was, this game feels like it was made to be rented, not bought. Uh, there definitely
5: was. Uh, I remember watching a, uh, dev commentary on, uh, I think it was, uh, the Lion King game on the Genesis, uh, where the developer explicitly stated the game was made so hard in order to encourage repeat rentals. And that was, like, a, uh, major game. That wasn't, like, uh, a small-time, uh projects so it was very central to the uh super nintendo slash sata genesis er- era that games would be made entirely for this purpose
0: so mike this is the thing that baffles me and i guess somebody might have a better answer to this question but i thought that the way that rentals work was that let's say blockbuster buys the game and then they rent it to you and blockbuster is the only one that makes money so why, in God's name, would a game company want to make a game that encourages rentals, repeat rentals? Because they're not making money off the repeat rentals. The only thing I can think is that if a game gets rented a lot and repeatedly, then Blockbuster might buy more copies of the game? That's the only thing I can think of.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's basically the model. I mean, when you think about it, there are, a at the time, there were a lot of rental places all across the world. Um, Every city, you know, would have at least, like, five, maybe more like ten sometimes. And they would be buying multiple copies. If a game was really popular, they might have three copies of it in stock. So you multiply that among all the places that rent it. And then, you know, you add on replacements when people uh, steal the game or fail to return it or if it gets busted. It adds up. I mean, there's still a big market for libraries for... uh, Certain books or it's also kind of like the uh, academic textbook uh, model as well. Well uh, I have yeah. to
5: imagine there were there had to be like some kind of licensing fees where they got like a few cents per rental or something because why why increase the difficulty like this it, Oh, I know. Uh, it's so that uh, if, uh, if you couldn't speed it in a single sitting, then uh, you either rent it again or you actually buy it.
0: Well, and there was, I I know that Nintendo actually, I think Nintendo, maybe it was a bunch of game companies, they sued Blockbuster to try and prevent them from doing what they do, which is buy a game and then rent it out to everybody, and that was what you did, and the game companies didn't make any money off of it, and if I'm not mistaken, they lost that lawsuit, and Blockbuster was allowed to continue doing what they were doing, so which I assume wouldn't fly now. Like, I'm assuming that with the way that things are essentially software that you purchase a license for, that places like uh, Gamefly do actually pay the developers per rental. But at the time, at the NES and Super Nintendo era, I don't think the game developers got money. So I think this was a way of getting the rental places to buy more copies of the game.
5: Yeah, that made sense. And and also to force uh players to actually purchase the game instead of renting
0: it ten times. And that's true, yeah, exactly. So that way you even you essentially make two sales off of that too, so I stepped out for a minute, but did we talk about
2: the uh propagandic propagandist? Propagandist aspects of the the aforementioned uh bone capital and how murder ties into that. Nope.
0: And if you got something to say, go ahead.
5: (laughs) That totally relates to what we were just talking about, uh, how this game only exists because of, uh, how capitalism shook out
0: in America in the early 90s. Yeah, this is true, because without the overwhelming need to make a bunch of money, then this game wouldn't have been as aggressively difficult and unfair. And, uh, yeah. And maybe they wouldn't have even put bones in the game with a weird, non explicit, bizarre save system that doesn't actually save anything to the cart.
4: All we are is bones in the wind. But, yeah, we didn't get into the uh, actual internal messaging of the bones and, and everything, so go for it.
2: Ah, okay. Well, um, I don't know quite how much I had to say because this was a last second, uh, category, but I did find it interesting I mean it's basically retreading what we were saying earlier but like the concept of bones as capital and that it seems like a pretty strong metaphor for capitalism in that sense because it is that uh, capital is literally directly related to the exploitation and murder of uh either um a peaceful tribe or uh like wildlife or what have you, and that what they are trying to do is to uh, caravan their way to a graveyard to do a massive grave digging. In the very end, the chief actually says, like, oh, I got two carts so that we could wield this back. It costs two, like, million bones, but... And so I kind of got ripped off that way. But whatever! And it's, like, just kind of more it's it's a it's I don't like I don't know quite what the purpose of that was aside from like it's not going to be a joke that kids are going to get they're not going to be like oh haha you lost a lot of money to make money but it's it's sloppy and that paired with the violence inherent to capital it seems like there's a lot of a, a lot of capitalist metaphor going on there a lot of propaganda maybe or maybe maybe it's uh a critique
1: and all along the way as you're collecting all the all this bone money uh you're also just scrounging up massive quantities
4: of mcdonald's food so yeah wick uh also yeah that is weird about you're right about the ending with the uh the shopkeeper comes over and or the chief is like, uh, I saw this guy who said he knows you and uh, he gave us two carts, but they cost so many bones, but it's okay because we're about to uh, fucking rob this grave. Um, it's, yeah, it's weird to have, like, this uh, rent-seeking, like, shopkeep guy show up at the end and, like, end up costing you a ton of money. I don't know. I mean, it's sort of a, like, I don't know, I, I, I beat the game with that invincibility
0: cho- uh, cheat. Not choke. Cheat, and I watched the ending, and i yeah, it was a little depressing, like especially the getting ripped off thing just seemed a little bit like, I don't know, it was just sad, so yeah, maybe it is critique. I feel like they were just doing that for a bad joke <laughs> I think it was definitely a bad
5: joke, but it does tie into uh tie into uh, my idea that this game only exists uh to uh encourage rental. Uh, you don't actually buy save games in this; you rent them.
0: It's a ripoff in a ripoff. It's it's meta commentary upon the state of the world, <laughs> or maybe it was just their state of mind at the time. They knew what kind of shit game they were making, and they couldn't help but let it leak into the way that the game actually played. Accidental propaganda.
5: This game has lots of propaganda for why you should not be playing
0: Prehistoric Man. <laughs> that's pretty true uh well i don't have anything really to say about propaganda that wasn't already mentioned i'm glad the capitalist bones thing came up anything else on this last surprise category that you had no time to think about
4: i think there's probably something to be said about the main character being this like creature of pure id who has like no personality just commits violence and uh his violence is like he's simply following the the will of the the village chief uh doing what he wants him to do for the good of the village. Uh, And it kind of like glorifies that and he gets like rewarded with a woman at the end. I don't know it's like really objectionable. Exploited and exploiting. Yeah.
0: So really at the end of the day we can just say that Prehistoric Man was really objectionable. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Well, I think that's about all there is to be said about prehistoric man. I think we've we've drained this well, and and we even went into another well because there was not much here. Um, any, I guess, final thoughts on this game before we uh, call it a day? It's not Chuck Rock.
4: It's not Joe and Mac.
0: It's not
5: Bon's Adventure.
1: It's not Adventure Island.
0: <laughs> it's not Big Nose the Caveman. So there we go. We've named all the things it's not. I love it. (laughs) That's it for this podcast, then. Thanks, everybody, for joining me. um, For more inane video game discussion, Uh, head over to selectbutton.net. We've got some forums there. It's open registration, and you can uh, take pot shots at games or whatever, talk about capitalism in relation to our Crumb. Uh, (laughs) This week, I was joined by... Courier Rice. Got
4: a Milkman. One second before.
6: Sleepy Smiles.
0: Talpa. And I've been Virtual Clint. Um, join us next time for... Actually, I'm going to decide the game right now. Uh, Sim Ant. Which was a... Uh, oh, God! God. <laughs> what? It's a great game! Come on! I'm saying I wish I was on I wish
4: I was on that one I wish I was
0: dead (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry it's luck of the draw I mean it's sort of luck of the draw I skipped a couple of games because I didn't want to intro a bunch of people who hadn't been on the podcast before with a mahjong game
5: please do the five minutes of mahjong though
0: okay okay, you know what we'll we'll throw a mahjong game we'll do five minutes of mahjong so we can get that thing out of the way anyway (laughs) next time we'll be playing sim ant uh so if you want to play along, then play along, hooray. Um and yeah, well and thanks for listening. And thanks everybody for joining me. Thank you for listening to the inaugural edition of the Super Nintendo Explorers Squadron. Uh, Music at the beginning and at the end was uh, the song called Playing Super Mario While Taking Mushrooms by Shnebubula, a.k.a. Samuel Asher Weiss. Uh, The rest of the music was taken directly from Prehistoric Man. Uh, Hopefully this will be on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever crap people use for podcasts. Maybe it won't be. Maybe you downloaded this mp3. But in any case, I appreciate you listening and, uh, Yeah, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.